Hi church, this is our third week now where we can't have church together and it is just as frustrating this third week as it was the first and second weeks and I imagine it will feel that way as long as we have to do this but the reality is we have to do this and so I appreciate all of you and your encouragement through emails, uh, sharing prayer requests and praises. It has, it has helped us to feel like we are still HBF, even though we can't be together. And so I thank you all for that. I'm hoping to do some slightly different things this week, maybe a live stream on Sunday morning, uh, maybe a video of the sermon. Uh, we'll see if we can get all that worked out. <clears throat> This week we're going to be looking at Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 through 14. This is a well-known passage. It's a message from God through the prophet Jeremiah to the Israelites as they were in exile in Babylon. And through it God tells them a couple of things that he wants them to do and a couple of things that he wants them to know. But before we get into that, though, uh, I'd ask you to join me as we, as we pray. We pray for God's blessing on our time in his word. Lord, uh, this is your word, and we are your people, and we, re- we rely on your word to know you. We thank you for it, as it helps us to do just that, and helps us to think about how we should be living. And we pray that uh, the time we spend in your word would be a benefit to us and a blessing to those around us. So use this time to grow us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. When I was an assistant coach, uh, boy, 20, uh, 19, 19 years ago, hard to believe, 19 years ago, uh, I was assistant for a head coach that was a little bit old school. And uh, one, of the, one of the drills he, he did for conditioning with these athletes was he would line them up on the end line of the basketball court and he would tell them to sprint. And they were to start their sprint and they would go down and back and down and back <clears throat> from end line to end line. And he told them they were just to keep on sprinting until he said stop. He didn't say for five minutes. He didn't say ten times down and back. He said, you just sprint. You run as hard as you can until I say stop. The athletes hated this drill because there was no goal or end upon which they could fix their minds. The indefiniteness of the drill was probably harder for them to deal with than the the physical part of the drill. It was frustrating. It's kind of where we are right now. Some people are clamoring for a definite end point to be determined for this pandemic situation. It's hard to ration resources when we don't know how long we will have to do it or to maintain a mindset when we don't know how long we have to maintain it. But the reality is we just don't know. We just don't know when we'll be able to go back to normal life. We just don't know when we'll be able to be together again. So this morning I thought it would be helpful. I've been thinking about the exile a lot during our own little mini exile. Our own time of isolation. Because I think 
I think there are some similarities, although I believe their situation was much worse than ours. I think there are enough similarities that this can be a benefit to us. They didn't know how long this was going to last for them either. And so Jeremiah delivers this word from the Lord to tell them. So what I want to do is I want to read the passage. Then I want to consider what God wants them to do and to know. Then I want us to consider what this teaches us about God himself. And then finally, how does this apply to our lives? So Jeremiah chapter 29 verses 4 through 14. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon, build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, When seventy years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise, and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. So what does God want them to do? And what does God want them to know? The first thing he wants them to do is to seek the good of the city to which he had sent them. Now this is a remarkable statement that God makes to these people because they have been taken as captives and they are living in exile in the land of their captors. So for them to then be told by God to seek the good of that city, it's, it's remarkable. This also gives us an idea that this world, this life, and all that that entails matter. Now that might go against the hyper-spiritual notion that the material world of now pales in importance compared to the spiritual world of the hereafter. Seeking the good of the city involves, for these exiles, participating in the life of the community, living in such a way as to contribute to the flourishing of their community. Seeking the good of the city involves praying to the Lord on its behalf. If they were called to pray for the city to which they were taken into captivity, how much more should we be praying for our cities? We who are not captive, but rather voluntary residents, seek the good of the city to which I have sent you. The second thing he wants them to do is to reject the message of false 
prophets. Don't believe what they say. Now, Jeremiah had a difficult time with false prophets in his life. If you read through the book of Jeremiah, it's, a, it's, it's, not, a, it's not an uplifting read. I will, I will warn you ahead of time. Jeremiah's life was very difficult because he was a prophet. <clears throat> and some of the difficulty came from false prophets, people who claimed to have a word from the Lord, but were not motivated by truth. Rather, they were motivated by um, a desire to speak what was convenient or what they believed the king or the subjects wanted to hear. God says, do not believe these messages. These messages spoken out of convenience rather than a desire for truth uh, were contrary to God. And what he wanted them to know. So these are two things Jeremiah, God, <clears throat> through Jeremiah, wants his people to know. Seek the good of your city, contribute to its flourishing, and reject the messages of the false prophets, the people who just want to tell you what you want to hear. <clears throat> There's also a couple of things God wants them to know about this. The first is that this is going to take a while. There was an allotted time for the <coughs> excuse me for the exile in Babylon before the movement to restoration could begin. We don't know God's thinking in all of this, but we do know that God wasn't scrambling to get his people out right away. He had a purpose for this trial in their lives, and he was going to allow that purpose to be fulfilled in its own time. That time for them happened to be 70 years. It's going to take a while. Another thing God wanted them to know is that this trial, this exile for them, was going to result in more intimacy between them and God. The plan God had for them ultimately involved a restoration of intimacy and their relationship with him. Yes, the return, the eventual return to the city of Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the wall and the temple, uh, as, a, as recounted in Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, was a good thing. But those things only mattered in relation to the people's renewed commitment to loving God. Not a renewed commitment to the religious practices associated with the temple, but a renewed commitment to seek God with all their heart. This was the goal. This was the purpose. This was why God allowed this exile to happen, so that they could be renewed in their intimacy with God. So what does this teach us about God? <clears throat> There's a couple of things. One, it teaches us that God wants what is best for his people. Now this does not mean what is easiest for the people, or what involves the least amount of suffering for the people, or what is most popular. God wants what is best for his people. In the midst of a trial, in the midst of suffering, it can be hard to believe that God wants what is best. 
But that is a truth that doesn't change. We cannot, we cannot ever look at our situation or our circumstance and say, Man, God must not want what is best for me. He wants what is best for his people. Another thing this teaches us about God is that God tells the truth. God's communications department has one goal. Speak the truth. He's not interested in messaging or spin or telling people what they want to hear. He is interested in communicating what is true. Hard truth is better than convenient half-truth. This is what God is about. Another thing this teaches us about God is that God brings good things out of the bad. He is not captive by the challenges and trials that are faced by his people. He is not limited by our circumstances. Bad situations do not keep him from accomplishing his good purposes. In fact, it is through those bad situations that often God accomplishes his good purposes. God had entered into a covenant with the people of Israel, and their disobedience and the trials that that resulted in would not keep him from continuing to be their covenant God. Throughout Scripture, God uses trials and suffering to refine those he loves and to develop character in them that might not otherwise develop. He brings beauty from ashes. He makes good things from the dirt of our lives. So what does this then mean for us? We are not... uh, Israelites living in exile in Babylon at the moment. Is there something from this that we can take and put into practice in our lives? Is there some way that our thinking or our living should change as a result of what this teaches us? Two things. The first one. Consider this trial as an opportunity for personal growth. If we think this way, going through suffering, we're probably more likely to contribute to our own growth that God wants to accomplish in us. If we spend our time moping and wishing that things were different, the growth that God wants to accomplish will probably come more gradually, if, if at all. This virus, COVID-19, is not outside of the plan or power of God. It does not dictate God's actions in our lives. Rather, God will work within this trial to bring about the purposes that he has for each of us. So, how can this trial contribute to your own growth in Christ likeness consider this as an opportunity to grow and then finally <clears throat> uh, the instruction that Jeremiah or God through Jeremiah gives to the exiles uh, 
uh, I think is good instruction for us as well. Contribute to the flourishing of your community. I think just as God wanted that for them, He wants that for us today and every day. That we would contribute to the flourishing of our community. Now sometimes Christians seem to operate with the mindset that this world and all that is in it doesn't really matter in the long run. That the spiritual is superior to the material. So we shouldn't spend a lot of energy on the material. But I think this is wrong. I think this is unbiblical thinking. God cares about our communities. God wants us to contribute to the flourishing of our towns and our cities. He wants us to enhance our culture. So how can you seek the good of the city to which you belong in the midst of this crisis? Some of you have made yourselves available to your more needy neighbors. That is beautiful. That is a good thing. Some of you are using your resources to supply our medical professionals with masks. That is good and beautiful. Some of you are working hard to follow the social distancing guidelines put out by the government. That is good. That is beautiful. I wish more people at Price Chopper were doing that. Hopefully all of you are praying for our leaders and our community as we all try to get through this time. There are different ways that each one of us can contribute to the flourishing of our community even in this time. Although the kingdom of God has not yet been fully realized, the kingdom of God is already here in the form of the body of Christ, doing what it can do to contribute to the flourishing of our community, of this world. May we be drawn closer to God as we seek the good of our city, and may God be glorified in all that his people do. Let's pray. Lord, it's tough to um, live each day not knowing how long uh, this new normal for us is going to last. It's, it's hard. We're scared and anxious about uh, the virus and, and people that we care about. We don't want them to get the virus. And uh, so this is a difficult time. We ask that you would be with us, that you would show your grace to us in ways that are profound, in ways that are... Um, uh, motivating in ways that uh, help us to know uh, how much you care, how much you love us. Lord, I pray also that we would be the church in the midst of this suffering, that we would shine the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in whatever way we can, in the way that we um, serve our neighbors, in the way that we contribute to the flourishing of our community. We want you to be known. We want you to be glorified through all of this. We know that this is not outside of your control. Help us to trust that and uh, turn this into something that is, is beautiful beyond our imagination. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.